Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. So we have this uh, new series that we're in. We're starting today. It's called Save the Date. And it's everything that um, we have been waiting for, right? Before this moment, the most important thing. You've been expecting and anticipating this. I know it's not true. I'm just joking. I'm not looking for false affirmation. But sometimes we do that in trying to seek out relationships. And so we're going to learn today and in the weeks to come about where our confidence needs to be found. And I think one of the things that we can often hear when we're in a season of our life where we're single or we're married and we're experiencing maybe something in between, that there is this sense of still being alone and dealing with loneliness. In fact, the truth is, is that we can experience being alone and loneliness, whether you're single, married, or in whatever state you may find yourself in between. And sometimes that's not always clear. In fact, many times, whether it's in our minds or in our hearts, or sometimes in our faith and in communities of faith, or in conversations with other people, someone is always telling us that we need to be enough that what we have is enough, that we shouldn't be looking for more and anticipating or expecting more. We're often told in a spiritual context that God needs to be enough. And then when we don't respond to that in our everyday, when we're not living that out in our everyday moments, we say, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my faith? What's wrong with my understanding of who God is and and how He's at work in my life? On a regular basis, I often hear people in conversation say, all you need is God. Just be content with, with God. Just be content with Jesus. God has to be enough. Well, that sounds nice and it sounds super spiritual, but the problem is, is that it's actually not true. You see, the problem from a relationship point of view is that it's not even biblical. The Bible actually speaks directly against this line of thinking. The the truth is, is that God is not everything we need when it comes to relationship. And that's why loneliness is emotional and mental isolation that can't always be fulfilled and satisfied by just being in a relationship with God. When we're lonely, when you feel alone, whether you're in a relationship or not, you're basically feeling like you are not able to be your true self. 
Loneliness comes from a place where we know that we are meant for more, that we're meant to be experiencing more, that we're meant to be living more, that everything that we are having in our life at this point in time is not enough. And so loneliness is rooted in that reality. It's not something that is wrong in your mind and in your heart. It's your life identifying what's missing. We can't always put a finger on it. We can't always identify it as clearly as we would like. And sometimes we end up making the wrong decisions as a result. But when we can understand the root issue, the root cause of why we are feeling alone and why we are experiencing loneliness, then we can start to sense and more than that, truly identify that there is a lack of genuine intimacy that we are experiencing in our lives. We notice that we are not able to have the level of intimacy that we are requiring. And so we feel alone. And it's not uncommon that we end up hiding our true feelings. We end up trying to understand what it is that we're feeling, what we're going through, what it is that is, is the main issue that is causing this feeling of being alone and lone, loneliness in itself. But we, we begin to understand that we, we can't always trust ourselves or the person we're with or other people. And so we hide our true feelings. And it's not uncommon for people in relationships to also feel lonely and you'll notice this in your own relationship that you're starting to maybe see moments where you've grown apart and you've accepted that you've made compromises towards that you, you said this is just what happens it's normal he's going to go off and do his thing i'm going to go off and do my thing Next thing you know, you're taking separate vacations. Next thing you know, you're living in separate bedrooms. Next thing you know, you're not even in the same house anymore. You're with somebody else. And without realizing it, we make decisions about finding fulfillment and satisfaction, not from the people that we're supposed to be experiencing it from. And there's a lack of, of intimacy there, and so we're growing apart. We stop nurturing the relationship. And, and I always find it interesting when people say, you know, my relationship doesn't take any work. And I always say, that's because you're not working at it. <laughs> it's because you're doing nothing. <laughs> it's because you've, you've, you've hit a place of complacency and, and you've just accepted things for the way they are and you're not trying to see it get better or improve. You've just gone into a rhythm of what your life is, but it's not ultimately what you want, but it's what you're accepting. And the lack of attention and emotional engagement that we're experiencing sometimes is, is, is also due to just our acceptance of, of where things are at, but it's also a reflection of how lowly we think of what relationships are supposed to be like. And we just dropped our standards so low that it finally meets the place where we're just living it. 
Studying living to a higher standard and expecting a higher standard even of ourselves, we just keep lowering the standard until we can just finally live there and not be bothered with anyone or anything else. That was just my introduction, by the way, so we're about to get into it. If you thought that we were going to have a great morning um, and hearing a lot of things that were just going to build you up today, you were right. <laughs> because we are going to build you up, but sometimes what we have to do is we have to tear down the strongholds that are keeping us from experiencing God's best. And I need us to get to this place where we can feel that, that, that sometimes many of us in this, in this life that are just tired with this reality that singleness is the participation trophy in the game of life and that's just the way things need to be it's it's the gift that no one asks for for those of you that are single you may have heard this verse before in first corinthians 7 8 where it says to the unmarried and to those that are widows i say that it is good for them to remain single as i am this understanding that sometimes singleness is the highest level at which we can fulfill God's plan and purpose in our lives. I want to speak to you about this passage that we're going to get into right now. And it's found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Can we put it up on the screen? And it says that the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. And I will make a helper who is just right for him. And another version of that says um, that I'm going to make sure that man does not live his life alone. And I will give him a helpmate. I will give him a support who is right for him. What's important about this passage, and it may surprise you right now, is that right from the beginning, God says that I have purposely created the world to function in such a way that God alone is not enough. Now, if God is perfect and his creation is perfect and everything he creates is perfect, then if God is all we need and God is enough, then why doesn't he just leave Adam alone? The reason is because God purposely created us to have needs. And he also made himself the one who can meet those needs. And he purposely limited himself. God limited himself in being able to be everything that we would need. Are you still with me? God made the decision that he wasn't going to be everything for everyone. He wasn't going to be everything for you. 
He was going to put you in a world where you would need someone else. Where you would need your needs met by someone and something else. That while God would be everything over it and be the one who ultimately provides it, he couldn't be everything that you would need. And so when Adam hears this, he doesn't say, hey, God, you got it all wrong. Like, me and you were good. (laughs) We don't need anybody else. Please don't introduce someone else into this. Because when God created Adam, he also created him with a, a need within him. Where even though he had everything, he still noticed that he was missing something. And what God wants is that even when we notice that we're missing something, he wants us to go to him to supply and to provide everything. In the same way that Adam would notice that it wasn't enough for him to live in this incredible place that he had been set in by himself, God knows that you also in this world were not meant to live it alone. God created needs and he created you to have them. And by choice, God limited his ability to be everything. Because everything that God would create would be a reflection of how he is everything. Of how he can provide everything. Of how he can be your everything. And so my question to you is, have you just settled and accepted the fact that you're okay with continuing to be alone and experiencing loneliness and having less than everything that God has promised you? I can't answer that question for you, but I think that if we really pay attention, we might notice that that's exactly what's been happening in our lives. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11, it says that God says, I want you to understand this through the teaching of Jesus. Give us today the food that we need. In other words, give us our daily bread. And what God does in this passage is that he tells us that he not only expects us to Trust him for our daily bread, but he is also our daily bread. And so we have needs, but he can meet those needs. We have a need to be satisfied and he can satisfy. And in the absence of when things are not in our life yet, he can still supply our needs and, and bring us fulfillment and, and, and make a difference in our loneliness. But we also need to understand that that's not the only way that God created us to be. And so when I hear people say, I'm okay just being alone with God and I'm okay with just being me and Jesus. I'm okay with not needing anyone or anything else other than the Lord. I say, but you don't understand God's plan then. You don't understand how how God is telling you, this is not how I want you to think. This is not how I want you to live. This is not what I want you to settle for. If this wasn't good enough for Adam and Eve, it's not good enough for you. Can we say amen to that? It's just not. It's not enough. 
And it's okay to want more and, and to trust God for the more. And that's why in Matthew 6, 31 to 33, he says, I don't want you to worry about these things. What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What are you going to wear? Uh, these things, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. And so what I want you to do is I want you to seek the kingdom of God above all else, and I want you to live righteously, and he is going to give you everything that you need. But I don't know what it is that I need if I don't know what God established as his promise before he promises to meet all my needs. And if his first promise to me is that it is not good that I am alone, then how can I trust God for him to meet all my other needs? Because all my other needs include this need that we all have in relationships. And so God creates these things. God creates these kinds of needs and he gives them to us and is not, and is not them for us. He gives them to us and is not them for us. I got to say that again. Are you getting it? He gives them to us and is not them for us. Why would God list how he's going to meet our needs if he is everything? If he is everything and he's all that we need, then we don't need any of the other things. But that's not how this works, is it? God created us to need and to need other people. And, and that's why in, in Mark chapter 12, in verse 30 to 31, it says that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. So we are putting God first and he is our everything. You see that? But he's also not everything. Because the second is equally important. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. And no commandment is greater than this. In other words, if all we had to do was love God and be in a relationship with God and just declare every day that God is everything, then why would we need to love a neighbor? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 18 to 21, it says that our bodies are many parts and, and God has given each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would it be if it only had one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And what God is saying here is that you do not dare to say to another member of the body of Christ, I don't need you. It is a sin to talk like this. God forbids us from saying, I have God and I don't need other members of the body of Christ. I don't need a neighbor. I don't need to be in a relationship with someone else. God alone is not enough when it comes to relationships. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, it is not good for us to be alone. And therefore, we need someone to be a helper to us and to be with us in this life. So God clearly doesn't want 
Adam to be alone and he also doesn't want you to be alone unless he's given you the gift for that, unless he's chosen you for that life. And you know what? When you receive a gift, you live your life like it's a gift, not a curse. You know when you've received the gift and when you've received the insult. Anybody else? I've never confused the two things. <laughs> never, not once. So if God says that it's a gift, I'm gonna live my life like it's a gift. I'm not gonna have an issue or a problem with it, ever. And anytime someone brings it up and says to me, I'm really sorry that you're single, that things aren't working out for you ever, like you're always alone, you have no kids, I'm sorry for you. And I look at that person and I'd say, but you don't get it, I love this. This is a gift. God has given me this. I love it. I don't need any of those other things. I don't want any of those other things because it's a gift. But if you're walking around trying to make it a gift, <laughs> every day you're gonna live your life like it's a curse, isn't it true? Every day it's gonna be like that. You're gonna be like, it's gonna be written all over your face. Every time you try to be thankful and appreciative and every time you try to be grateful and every time you turn to God and you say, I love you, you, you don't really mean it because you look at your life and it just feels like a curse. And, and this is what happens. So God is not enough to satisfy every aspect of relational longing and belonging for our soul. We can learn to live without it, but that's not what we have received as a commandment from the Lord. And so what about how God can be everything to us? Well, in Romans chapter eight, verses 35, 37 to 39, Paul ends up talking about how God is everything. Like he says, you know, nothing can separate us from Christ's love. Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or if we have calamity or are persecuted or find ourselves hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Because sometimes we're in, we're in a situation where our needs seemingly are not being met. Isn't that true? We're under threat. And, and that's what's happening in this, in, this, in this passage that we're looking at. And then in verse 37, he says, no. Because despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we say amen to that? That is how God is everything. And so I need to go back to the promises that he has made. Back to his intention of creation. Back to his desire for my life. Back to that which challenges but ultimately destroys any ideas, worries, fears that I have that I'm always going to be alone, whether in my singleness or in my relationship. 
You see, God says, I want you to understand that this is not what I have in store for you. So don't expect it and then live it like this is my standard for you. No, this is a standard that you're accepting. This is one that you're choosing to live by. This is one that you have lowered yourself to live and to experience and to believe that this is all you deserve. But I'm not telling you this. Because my love for you is so great, there is nothing in this world that can separate you from it. And so if God has this great love for us and will give us what we need as help in our life, why do you live like God is keeping that from you? Why do you accept that? Why do you just allow for the circumstances of this life to just tell you that you don't deserve better. You'll tell me that maybe it's because of a mistake you've made or a series of decisions that led to devastating consequences. Maybe you'll tell me that there are things in you that are broken. There are things that in you that are immoral, things that are dark, things that are so secretive you don't even know how to heal from them. That there are things that if someone were to be able to truly see who you are at your worst, that you would never ever be with someone again. But God is trying to show us that there is something that he has for us that can deal with all this. You see, even if all my needs fail to be met, God is saying, I will never fail you. I will always be there for you. I will always be the one who helps you to overcome no matter what the circumstances are. And as Paul spoke of and described so beautifully, in circumstances of life and death, we need to rely on God to meet our needs. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and uh, in verses eight and nine, I'm just gonna read verse nine. It says, in fact, he says this, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And what he says is that he moved into this place in his life where he saw that his needs were not being met in the timely fashion in which it needed to be met. And so he had to move, he had to shift in his mind and in his heart out of the place that he was in and begin to rely on God who raises the dead. He left his circumstances and he went to the promises of God instead. He moved beyond that which was killing him in his mind and in his heart. That which was filling his life with fear, that which was showing him his failures, that which was showing him the evil around him and those who wanted to take his life and those who might ultimately succeed. And Paul says that he stopped relying on all that he could see and understand and feel and believe and then shifted instead to a place where he said, I'm going to put my confidence and trust in the promises of God instead. Listen to me, you need to live according to the promises of God. Because if you just live according to the options that are in front of you, or the decisions that you've made, or the bad ones that you haven't recovered from, 
or the ones that you're in that is a repetition of the previous ones that you've already seen the outcome of, then you will keep experiencing death instead of the life that God says in your situation, in your life, I can give you that which only I can give you, which is that which others believed could only be dead, I can make alive again. I have seen people try to resurrect dead things that were meant to stay dead. And I've seen people try to tell and convince themselves and others that what was dead, and it was clear to everyone, it was dead from the start, that it was actually a fulfillment of life and God's promise for them. We cannot do that. We cannot bring life to dead things. Only God can do that. And so when we turn to God and he wants to give something that is dead life, great. But when we try to bring life to dead things without God, we can't succeed. And that's why things keep failing in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 22, it says that the man who finds a wife and the woman who finds a husband finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. The scripture reminds us that ultimately he wants us to have something. So you can desire marriage while still being content in seasons of singleness. And I think this is really important. It's really key because if you're single, and you're in a season of singleness, you can desire this. And you also know that from the start, from the beginning, this is what God wants to give, unless he's given you a different gift. Is that clear? Now, how you see marriage is always going to shape how you approach relationships. And so when people keep having failures in their relationships, it's because the way they see marriage and understand marriage, accept marriage, the way that they understand marriage to be is contrary to what God has taught. And so we need to align ourselves with the understanding of, of, of what God has said regarding marriage. What he has said regarding marriage is not to prohibit you. It's not to inhibit you. It's not to somehow bring boundaries that you are just going to feel suffocated by. And it's where you're actually going to thrive. Because everything that God teaches isn't just for your benefit. It's always for the benefit of someone else. What's good for you is always going to be good for the person that God has put you with. It's never just going to be good for one of you and not both of you. It's always going to be intended for the best for the two of you. And so you can't marry the right person if you're always dating the wrong one. And so in our selection process, where we compromise, where we say, 
I'm accepting this part. It's okay, I'm gonna put my standard right here because anything higher than this usually results in no matches. But if I put my standard here, I get a lot of options. I get a lot of matches. I get a lot of opportunities. I get more people this way than if I raise my standard. So I'm gonna keep it here, not too high. I'm just gonna bring it here. And so we decide, we determine where the standard is. Because now our understanding of marriage and our understanding of relationships is now shaped by our definitions. It's shaped by what it is that we're accepting. What we think is okay versus what God says is okay. And so when we do that, what happens is that we don't give someone our heart if God doesn't have theirs. Now, if, if we were to understand this standard, everything would have to measure itself against this. If you don't know where it's written, if you don't know what the principles are, if you don't know what God has said and where he said it and what it is he's asking you to do, it's simple. You don't give your heart to someone who hasn't given their heart to God. If you give your heart to someone, you're giving your heart to someone who loves God, someone who is going to depend on God like you're going to, like you're gonna turn to God together in the moments of, of challenges and difficulties, that when you need each other the most, you're not going to turn against each other. Even if you do at first, you'll eventually turn to God together. Now I understand that there are times when we just haven't made the right choice for the right reasons at the time. And I know that life is messy and it's complicated and it's super simple for me to make statements like this and, and for me to not understand your specific situation. I'm trusting that God just leads you and directs you to the places in your life where you know, where you know God is speaking to you directly about things in your life and in your past. Not everything I'm gonna say is going to meet you according to the life you've led, the experiences you've had, the people you've dated, the person you married and now find yourself estranged from or even divorced from. I understand that I'm not gonna be able to reach you in every way, but this is what I've come to understand. There's some principles that I can always count on. There's some promises that I can always believe in. There's a power that I can always rely on that regardless of what has happened, regardless of what has occurred, God can do something amazing. And I wanna just wrap this message up today just by bringing three words to your attention. The first one is security, the second one is strength, and the third one is stability. And we're gonna start with the first one, which is security. And a lot of people make decisions on a person based on the level of security that they have with them. But what God is asking us to do is to redefine that and to say, I want you to establish security differently. 
Not in who they are, not in their education, not in their income, not in their intelligence, not in their looks, not in their worldliness and understanding of events in the world, not in their status, not in terms of, of who they are and what they can bring to the table. But I want you to think of it rather, is this person secure in Jesus Christ? The Bible tells us that if in Christ all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form and you have been made complete in Christ, that everything that we need is in Jesus, but Jesus can't be everything to us if we won't even make that the foundation of what establishes security in our life. The second thing is being strong in character, revealing this kind of strength. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says that I want you to set an examples for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. He's saying that this is the strength that you should be looking for. When we talk about a person who is strong, we're talking about a person who has character. And it's amazing how we don't work on our own character and expect others to be of the highest character. It's always surprising when we choose people of lower character just because they meet other needs that we have at the time. We compromise where they fall short in their character because they meet a need that we have when we find ourselves in the condition and circumstances of our life at the time. And God is saying, I don't want you to do that. I want you to have character and I want you to choose to be with a person of character. The third thing that he reminds us is about stability. He says, I want you to walk with the wise and become wise in Proverbs 13, 20. Because a, a companion of fools always suffers harm. The reason God told us to be in community and to be part of his body is so that we would have the wisdom and the help that we would need when we would face times of trouble. We wouldn't try to do this on our own. We would do it in community. Sometimes we don't have that community through friendship. Sometimes we don't have that community even through our family. Sometimes we need to find that community first and foremost, he says, God says, in the household of faith. And he says, I want you to glorify the Lord with me. And I want you to be in a place where you exalt my name together in Psalms 34.3. And so I want to challenge you here at the end of this gathering, at the end of this message is that I don't want you to attract what you want. I want you to start attracting what you are. And I want you to think of those three things that we just talked about. I want you to think about the security, the strength, and the stability, and how that relates and how that connects to your faith. And I want you to understand that if you stop attracting what you want and you start attracting what you are, you are going to get the person that God has promised you and that is brought into your life for you. And that's true whether you're single, somewhere in between, or even if you're in a relationship. Because if you become the person you're looking for, 
the person you're with is going to be challenged to raise their standard to your level. And if you keep raising your standard to God's level, then everybody's standard keeps going up. And so if we understand this, then we're going to understand that I don't want to just be someone who chooses, but I want to become the person that God has created me to be so that the person who's looking for someone can find that person just like I need to have that in my own life. And so I'm going to challenge you if you're married in a relationship that you would become the person that you want to be married to. Stop waiting for that person to be different. You be different. You be better. You do better. Stop telling them they're not enough. Stop telling them they're not good enough. Stop telling them everything that's wrong about them and start becoming everything that needs to be right in your marriage. See, if we want people to elevate, we have to elevate. If we want them to be better, we have to be better. It doesn't mean that they don't have things to work on, things to change, things to improve on, things to do better, things that they obviously need to work on. But my life is not going to get better if I also don't get better. In my relationship with God, I want to keep that security and that strength and that stability and those promises high. The Bible tells us this, that we're all being challenged, no matter what state that we're in, to become the person who believes that God will supply all our needs. And I've got this verse that I want to conclude with. It's in Philippians 4.19. And it says this, and this same God who takes care of me is going to supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And what this passage is saying is that if we have a relationship with Jesus, everything we need is going to flow from Jesus to us. And everything that's missing or that's inadequate or anything that is just not to the standard that God wants us to have and to experience in our relationship, in our singleness, in our state, whatever it is, that He can supply all that. He can help me to elevate. He can help me to stop making the same choices, to stop choosing the same kinds of people, to establish a standard that is high, that is his standard, not mine, but his. And when I do that, then God is going to bless me in my singleness. He's going to bless me in my relationship. He's going to bless me in my marriage. He's going to bless me in my choices. And I'm going to stop wasting time. I'm going to stop being unfulfilled. I'm going to stop living a life of frustration and disappointment and feeling like God isn't with me and for me and that his promises aren't the same for me as they are for those around me. I'm going to stop believing all those lies that I'm just not going to be someone who's going to find someone. Because when we look around and we look for Christians, when we look for people who have faith, when we look for believers, we discover that they're just not really Christians, 
sometimes. Not really believers. They really don't have a heart for God. They really don't care about the things of God. But because we don't want to be alone, we settle for what's there instead of what he's promised. And what God is saying, will you trust me? Will you believe in what I can bring you, what I can do for you? If I can bring Eve out of nothing and bring her to Adam, can I not do the same in this barren landscape called Montreal? (laughs) Can I not do it here? Can I not bring someone into your life, even here? Or help you improve in your marriage and in your relationship and make your relationship and marriage better than it ever was? You believe that for yourself? Can you believe in God for that? I know we've heard a lot today and we're gonna keep unpacking this in the weeks to come, but. I needed to start here. I needed to lay a foundation here because if we don't understand this part, then everything that comes after it won't make any sense. You need to know this truth. God knows that while he is and can be everything, he has chosen not to be so that he can still meet your needs. And you can still glorify him according to the, through the riches that are available to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. All right. I'm sorry if that was long today. I'm just going to stand if you, if you're okay with that. And you don't have to, if you don't want to, you can stay seated and, But I think it's, it's a great opportunity for us to just, um, just close this gathering out with this song called The One. And it speaks to us about God being that one that we need first and foremost to help us to experience what he has in store for us, each of us. Um, I know that your, your situation is unique to you. God knows that. He knows the challenges that you face and the things that you've gone through, and the things that you're believing him for, but also the things that you're doubting him for. None of that is hidden to him. And this is a beautiful moment for us to pray. Father, because you know us better than anyone, and because you understand us better than anyone, you know exactly what it is that we need and what we need to hear, what you're about to do in our lives and what you're about to do through them. As we heard your truth today and want to build on a solid foundation, I pray that, God, you would just instruct us and speak to us and and help us to to just better ourselves through the principles and the promises that you have provided. Lord, I know that there are areas in our lives where we don't have your peace and, and areas of our life where we truly need to experience your power. And wherever that is needed, wherever that's required, I pray that you would do that because you are and always will be our provider. And today you're going to provide what we need so we can continue to put our faith 
in what you have said. Help us as we commit ourselves to you and to your standards. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.